in a series called What's the Deal with Church? And we're discussing over the next few weeks the way church works, the way Jesus sees the church, maybe some of the concerns you've even seen in church, and to understand the Lord is working out those concerns, and to just build our faith as a group in the church of the Lord, to understand your part and to understand the size and global mission of the church as well. And so today, I want to talk to you about the church being the temple of God. Write that in your notes, please. The temple of God. Last week, I talked to you about Jesus in the midst of the candlesticks, and he was in the midst and paying attention. He's very aware of what's going on in the churches, and that the church is always golden, which means there's still a glory in it. Even though he had correction for them and alignment, it didn't take away the fact that they were his change agent in the world, that they were elevated on a stand to be the light of the world. Amen. Cities on a hill. And the Lord is working out all the stuff on the inside of us. And so I just wanted to encourage us. Last week we had a beautiful time of prayer. Some of you needed just to ask the Lord to help you forgive some stuff that happened in church so that you could be open to coming to church, connecting to church, and being the church once again. Today we're going to kind of follow that same idea that the church is the temple of God. That's you individually. You are the temple of God. And then we collectively are the temple of God. So this series, as we get into it, it's going to be filled with a bunch of metaphors. Today, the temple is that first metaphor. We'll talk about being the body of Christ. We'll talk about being the army of God, the family of God, the, you know, the bride of, all those things that we just said. And all of those metaphors help us see how Jesus sees us. There's not just one illustration. The New Testament gives us so many pictures of the church so that we can see what we're supposed to be like our mission, our capacity, the way we relate to the Lord. And so I hope this series really helps you with each illustration, just clarify how God sees you, how he sees the church, and what we're supposed to be doing. So again, today's about the temple. We should have some pictures up there of the temple. If it hasn't gone up yet, there should be some temple of Solomon's temple. Solomon was King David's son. He built uh, the first temple. Before that, the Spirit of God dwelt in a tabernacle, which went kind of with Moses and was, uh, was transportable. Solomon built this beautiful temple. You can kind of see the outside, some pictures of the inside as well, and that kind of gives you just an idea. When God says temple, and when these metaphors of temple are being used, and Paul is saying, you're the temple of God, he sees you as a holy place. He sees you with all that gold on the inside. He sees even your function I believe according to some of the activity that happened in the temple that it kind of gives you some clarity of even what we're supposed to do with our life and how we're supposed to worship and honor God with that. The temple is a house of prayer. Write that down, a house of prayer. You personally are the temple of God's spirit. May we be people of prayer. You are the temple. Sometimes we just call ourselves Christian and that's why it's important you see these illustrations, these metaphors. And the Apostle Paul was, was really the one that kept bringing these types of things out in the epistles, in the New Testament. He was trying to help believers understand the way God saw them and kind of what now their assignment function was. So you being called the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, the temple of God, one of the aspects of our lives is to be people of prayer. One of the reasons, I want to say it again, one of the reasons that temple existed was so that prayer could go up for the whole world, so that prayer could go up for the people of God, so that change could come from the eternal realm into the natural realm, and there's a relationship between us, the believer, being people of prayer. Somebody say amen. amen. You are a house of prayer. Don't just come to this sanctuary or to that physical temple thinking that's the house of prayer. You are the temple of God. You are a house of prayer. Amen. Amen. That's the way the Lord saw us. Are you an individual of prayer? This isn't meant to condemn you today. Even as we challenge ourselves with this metaphor, with this illustration, it's all meant to inspire us of who we are and what we're capable of. You are meant to be a person of prayer. Every single one of us, people of prayer. His temple was the place of his presence. Say presence. You are a habitation of God. The Holy Spirit of God indwells us. 
See, this is a much better time to be alive because the Holy Spirit doesn't reside in that physical temple. He resides in you, the walking temples of God that walk all over this earth and carry his presence. That's pretty awesome. You know, back in the Old Testament, people couldn't go into the presence of God because they weren't holy enough. And it was assigned to one individual, the high priest. But now he has made us a kingdom of priests and he has made you blameless and holy. And so now that same presence that we couldn't enter in the Old Testament, you now possess and carry with you every single day. Somebody get excited about that. Amen. And you might say, well, that sounds probably like that really holy individual that I know that goes to church. Do you realize the way the Lord sees you is you are the temple, you have been made holy, and you carry that presence, whether you're aware of it or not. I'm trying to make you aware of you. Amen. And so that when you walk into a situation, you walk into a school to be a teacher, you walk into a business meeting in a boardroom, you walk into a church, you walk into a hospital room to minister to a friend, that you are that temple of God, you are that house of prayer, you are that carrier of the presence of God, and you are walking into their hurting world. And you can access the throne of grace because you're the temple. You don't have to go pray about it here in this sanctuary, you are the sanctuary. Come on, that's good preaching right there. You are the sanctuary. And I want to remind us that that temple was holy. And just want to get that in your spirit right now. That temple was always meant to be holy. You have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. I want to remind you that that's the temple of God. It's not our temple. It's his. That's a good word. Amen? It's a great word. Sometimes we want to do Christianity on our terms. But you're the temple of God. He's not your temple. You're his temple. You don't change God into your image. He's turning you into his image. Somebody get excited about that. And so if it's his temple, it's his name on the building, praise God, right? Then what does he want? What does he want? What, what is his preference? What is his design and desire and purpose? That's why we don't want to ever lean on our own understanding in these things and try to create church from our own self. We want to make sure we're following the scripture and we, do, do, uh, we create messages and services and, and places that we know through scripture please the Lord because it's what delights him. It's his temple. This congregation is his temple and you are his temple. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own anymore. It's good? That's just the introduction. (laughs) We're going to get into some stuff today, which I really hope blesses you. But I want to also set you up to be open for God to do a work in you, that you don't just hear it as a message or illustration. I really believe God's going to set a bunch of people free today. There's a biblical word called deliverance, which really just means freedom. And I believe that the word of God is going to deliver you from some small thinking The word of God is present and the power of God with his word to also deliver you spiritually from certain bondages and addictions by the time we leave this service. Amen? You are God's temple and he fights for you. He fights for you. Somebody get excited. He fights for you because of the way he sees you. He is passionate about the temple. He's passionate about his father's house, which is now you and me. Amen? Collectively, let's talk about just scripturally where we are collectively the temple of God. Let me give you the scriptures for that so that you can see there's the way God sees us when we gather as a congregation and the way he sees you as an individual. So collectively, as we gather as a congregation, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 in your Bibles. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. I speak this over you, the word of God speaks this over you. You are living stones. Every single one of us together makes up this collective temple that we're talking about and we are alive. We're not a bunch of dead stones, somebody say amen. I don't wanna be a dead stone. If the stones are dead, the house is dead. It's a house filled with living stones. You've been made alive. He brought you out of darkness into light. He brought you from death to life. You are filled with life. You are his temple. You are alive like him. 
You are a bunch of living stones. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. Don't you realize that all of you together, there you are collectively, all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So Paul is talking to the body of Christ. He's talking to the church and he's saying that you are the temple of God. You are now, collectively, when you come together, you are the temple of God and that you are holy. You are holy. This is a holy thing. When we gather, this is a holy gathering. Amen. We are a bunch of living stones coming together, forming this habitation of God and his presence. That's why power is available. My friends, we don't just come to church to watch a service. It's the gathering of the saints. It's the gathering of the temple coming together. It's a holy habitation of God where the presence of God is among us. The presence of God is among us. All things are possible in those services. The presence of God moved over the the face of the waters and created everything when the word of God was delivered. May we come with anticipation into the habitation or the house of the Lord as we gather and let's expect miraculous things because we are in his presence. And it's his holy temple. People would come from all over the world to get to the temple of God to ask something and we get to be that temple and gather every single week. That's awesome. May we not lose vision and faith for when the body of Christ, the temple of God, meets, amen, and what God can do in that habitation, in that place. But then he warns and says, don't mess with my temple. Don't mess with this body. Don't mess with what I'm building here, amen? God will destroy anyone who tries to destroy his temple. You don't want to be on that side of being the divisive one in a church. Come on. You don't want to be on the side of the one bringing pollution and corruption into the church. And there's even those outside the church that would want to bring opposition and all kinds of accusation to the church in order to muzzle the church. You don't want to be on that side either. The Lord will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But he takes it personal, which is why he challenged the apostle Paul, which was Saul, when he was coming to arrest those in the church in the book of Acts. And Saul was going to Damascus. The Lord showed up and he said, why are you trying to persecute me? Because you are his temple. You are his church. And he said, I will destroy anyone that tries to destroy this temple, this church that I am building. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. So now, you Gentiles, for those of you who are new to the Bible, what's a Gentile? The Gentiles are that collective group of people that are just not born Jewish. So that would be the majority of us in the room. That's just another word the Bible used, Gentiles. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. Praise God. We are not strangers or foreigners into the promises of God. God made great and precious promises to Israel. He was their God. They were his people. He fought for them. He defended them, he provided for them, he spoke to them, he loved them, and now we've been brought in to those precious covenants and even new covenants in Christ Jesus. So we're not on the outside, we're on the inside. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. That's the Lord saying, those of us that were born Gentiles, you've been brought in to this group that were God's holy people, and we are all now citizens, one group, his children. You are members of God's family. Together, there's that collective word again, we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where, the God, where God lives by his spirit. Can you see the language in this, my friends? Do you see how we Gentiles are brought in to the promises of God by Jesus and we're one family in God, this place where he dwells now with us and among us and he's building this habitation. Here's something else I love about that idea of living stones and each one of us being a part. If you were to look into these buildings, Jesus is the cornerstone, say cornerstone. 
which means that's the foundation stone and everything else knows whether it's going the right way and it's in that plumb line or going the, you know, that straight and narrow based on Jesus himself. So every single stone is lined up to the image of Jesus, not the image of a culture, not the image of someone's opinion, but we are lined up to the image of Jesus himself, which is great. But then, if you were to look at all the bricks in this building, every brick is taking a piece of the load which holds up the whole building. Every one of us, as we're a part of this temple, are meant to take responsibility and shoulder some of the load of this house. Somebody say amen. amen. We weren't meant to be a disconnected brick. Those bricks are built upon one another and we support one another and we support this dwelling and this habitation and move of God. I love that. All of us have a part to play. We're all living stones. Now let me talk about individually now. So I think I showed you some scripture that gave you some collective idea that we collectively are the body of Christ or we are collectively the temple of God. Thank you. Now I want to talk to you about you, the individual. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Don't you realize, now here's the thing. The Apostle Paul is teaching the church collectively. Don't you know you're the temple of the Spirit? Now he's teaching them individually. Don't you realize that you're the temple of the Spirit? Here's the thing. We forget who we are all the time. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror, walking away and forgetting what you look like. That's what we do consistently. So Paul consistently brings this illustration to them to remind them who they are. There's a lot of reasons why we forget who we are. For one, we need to hear it a lot because we have lived one way for so long, we don't remember that we've given our heart to Jesus and something really happened. Our old image and our old identity is much more ingrained in us than this new creation that we've been made. And so Paul and the Word of God is constantly reminding us, you're not the same person you once were. You've been made something greater. And you're living like you used to, but that's not you anymore. And so you hear Paul constantly saying, don't you realize who you are? Don't you realize what God's done? Don't you realize your mission and your purpose? And this isn't him speaking down to them. This is him speaking up to them. He's reminded them of who they are. He's not sitting there pointing a finger at what they're not. And you're gonna see that again in this scripture. Are you following me, church? Am I talking too fast for you? So First Corinthians chapter 6, 15 through 20. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Now he's talking to you, the individual. This body, your body, is now a part of Christ. And he's reminding them because we forget should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never! Exclamation point. I love the divinity of that. <laughs> Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And I wrote in my notes, you're already one in spirit with the Lord. That's not when you die and go to heaven. Are you hearing that, church? It's not you'll be one spirit with the Lord when you die. It's don't you know who you are? Don't you realize that you are the body of Christ right now? Don't you realize that right now you are one with the Lord? That's why he's saying you shouldn't go take your body or your oneness with the Lord and go join it with the prostitute or any sin right? We can say prostitute, but it could be any occult practice. It could be addictive behavior. It could be envy, bitterness, you know, anger, unforgiveness, all this stuff. Why? Because you're the body of Christ. You're the temple of the Spirit of God. You are one with the Lord, and none of that fits on you. See, I love this because Paul wasn't just sitting there saying, you need to stop hanging out with prostitutes, you bunch of perverts. You can write that in your notes, Jeff. That's fine. <laughs> but do you know how Paul could have just spoken down to them, saying, how could you do this? Look at you. You're just so messed up. You're such a, you know, a, you know addicted to sex or addicted to perversion or look how bad you are. What did he do? He reminded them of their oneness with Christ. 
He didn't say that they lost their oneness in their act of sin. Do you hear that? He's saying, don't do that because you're one, you are one with the Lord, which also means you have the capacity to say no to that temptation because it's not just you, it's the Lord in you helping you both will and do his good pleasure. So there's no temptation but that which is common to man. And with every temptation, God provides a way of escape, the Bible says. Amen. Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, becomes one in body with her, for the scriptures say the two are united, but the person who is joined to the Lord is, is one spirit with him already. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you? Now again, he says, don't you realize this? Why would he say that? Because they weren't realizing it. Why am I saying it to you? Because you're not realizing it. We still see God as up there somewhere, and even when we do choose to get into addictive sin patterns and habitual sin patterns, it's almost like he's not there. He's over there, and in the darkness, we can get away with this stuff. The Lord goes with us. The Lord sees it all. And he's not sitting there wanting to destroy you. He's wanting to pull you back up to where he paid for you to be. He's wanting to pull you up into your sonship, your inheritance, your authority, your dominion. You are the light of the world. You're the city on the hill. You're not meant to live among the slop, the darkness, the pigs. Are you understanding this? And so that's why he's zealous for his temple. Isn't because he's just zealous for a building. He's zealous for his child. He's zealous for the work he's developed in you. He's zealous for the image he paid for you to have. That's the zeal of the Lord towards the temple. He's passionate about you. And he's saying, this doesn't fit you. You are so far above all this. You are meant to reign with me in the universe. What are you doing down here with the prostitutes and the pigs? Amen. Amen. Your physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body and I added in parentheses, which is his temple. Remember, your body is his temple. Your body is his temple. The spirit of God resides in us. The presence of God resides in us. So again, Paul spoke up to them, not down. Paul reminded them who they were in Christ. When you see yourself as clean, which is what I'm trying to help us with today, to see you as made holy, to see you as that gold, that glorious individual in Christ, growing from glory to glory. When you see yourself clean, it actually helps you want to avoid getting dirty. If you see yourself dirty all the time, then getting more dirty doesn't seem to matter. Are you hearing me? I used this illustration back in Illinois. It doesn't work so well here, but I'll use it anyway. In Illinois, in the frozen land of the north, they salt their roads. Is anyone familiar with salted roads? Okay, it's disgusting. It messes up everything. It gets everything filthy. So your car is filled with salt and dirt and grime and all this stuff. No matter how many times you wash it, it doesn't matter. You drive on the road, it's dirty again. And I remember when I used to wear suits when I preached. That was a while ago. And I used to wear nice suits and, you know, I'd get all ready for church and I'd have to go get in the car in the, in, the, in the garage, and there's about this much space in between the two salty cars. And it was Sunday morning, and I was ready to go. Do you know how gingerly I would walk in between those cars? I was like... <laughs> because what I didn't want to do is get to church, and there'd be this big salted smear down my back, Right? But are you understanding this? You, maybe for those of you raised in the sunshine, it doesn't make sense to you what I'm talking about. So you can say you have a very nice outfit on and maybe you're raising children and they're full of sticky and icky. And they're like, give me a hug. And you're like, not right this minute. I love you. I love you from a distance because they just want to get jelly all over you. But do you see what I'm saying? When you see yourself as clean, 
then you're more cautious about how you walk and what you allow to touch your life because you have received the revelation that you are holy, you are clean. Why would I go mess it up with this movie or this music or this anger, unforgiveness? That doesn't fit on me. I've been made clean. It's about being revelation that you have been made holy and you don't fit around that old stuff anymore. It's not guilt. It's not condemnation. It's a revelation of who you are. And you're like, I've been made pure and holy. Why would I want to go roll around in the dirt? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 18. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? Listen to me. Listen to this verse. The, the Bible just told you, called you righteousness. And you, we missed it. It says, don't team up with unbelievers. Why? Because how can righteousness partner with wickedness? You're being called righteousness. And how could righteousness become a partner with wickedness? It goes on. How can light live with darkness? Now you're being called light. This verse should really encourage you right now. In two lines, you've been called righteousness and light. And how could we become partners with darkness? What harmony can there be with Christ and the devil? Now you're being called the image of Christ. What partnership can there be with Christ, which is you? You're his body, you're his temple, and the devil. How can a believer, see you're a believer, be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be with God's temple, that's you, and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And this is what God has said about his temple. I will live in them. Can you please hear that word? I will live in them. I will walk among them. When you're going through a tough time, even when your life feels like it's full of storms, please know that you're not alone no matter what you feel. He will live right there with you through that storm. And he will walk among you right there through that storm. Amen. Amen. I will be their God. They will be my people. But then he calls them and says, Therefore, come out from among those unbelievers. Separate yourselves from among them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. And I will welcome you. I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Today, Number one was helping you understand that you are the temple of God, both collectively and what we do here gathers as we gather is important and significant. God's presence is among us, powerful. But you're his temple individually. And I wanted to give you a passion for how God sees you as holy and clean. I want you to see yourself this way. I want you to see yourself as righteous, as light, all these nice clean things. <laughs> righteous, light, made holy amen so that we can begin to determine what partnerships we need to release in our lives we need to be able to define and determine what is darkness and if it's darkness it doesn't fit in this life if it's sin if it's dirt if it's wickedness if it's unrighteousness it doesn't fit on God's vision for our lives this isn't a condemnation message this is inspiring it's because God sees you so holy and so meaningful to this earth and have such purpose in what he has for you planned these sins are shrinking you down and partnering you with things that are filled with death and you're meant to be carriers of light and life amen, amen. his passion for your holiness, his passion for your life is a passion because he's for you, not against you. Isn't that good? John chapter two, let's go to John chapter two. You probably knew I was gonna go here because you're such brilliant believers. You're like, that fits with John chapter two. You're already ahead of me. I applaud all of you, it's great. John chapter two, verse 12, have you found it? I'm gonna start verse 13 actually. John chapter 2, verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, doves for sacrifices, and he also saw dealers in, at the tables exchanging for money. Jesus formed a whip from some ropes, and he chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep, 
He drove out the cattle. He scattered the money changers and coins over the floor because he turned over their tables. Amen? Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace or a den of thieves. Then his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scriptures saying that zeal for God's house consumes me. The New Living says passion for God's house consumes me. I want you to see that. We always talk about Jesus, his zeal for the temple, that physical temple. And how he watched people shrinking the temple down into just idolatry and money changing and not keeping the temple for the purpose it was designed for. And yes, was he passionate about that physical temple? Absolutely. I do not deny that. He's passionate about that particular temple. But if we layer this over us, I believe he's every bit as passionate and even more passionate about you because he died and shed his blood for you, the human being. Are you hearing me? To turn you into that temple of his spirit. And so I can see Jesus even in our own lives and that zeal for the Lord, that zeal for the house of God consumes him. That the Lord has a zeal for each and every one of us. God is not against you. No matter what the world may try to say, God is a killjoy. He doesn't want you to have any fun. They just want to preach about sin all the time. I don't want to preach about sin. I want to preach about Jesus. And I want to preach about who you are in Jesus. And who you are in Jesus doesn't fit with darkness, doesn't fit with unrighteousness, doesn't fit with the devil and demons. Are you understanding? I can't preach Jesus and what he's done for you and keep you with the pigs and keep you in the mud. That doesn't make any sense. That means he didn't come to do anything. He came to make you something, and it's his body, and it's his temple. And he's passionate for you. He's passionate enough to move from glory into a human form and then die on a cross, amen, that he might make you something. And right now we're talking about the temple of the Spirit of God. Jesus' zeal and passion was because he loved his father's house. Jesus knew the purpose of the temple, and it was not being used for that purpose. Jesus knew this temple was much more than what they had made it. We are the temple. We need to be passionate and intentional about our purpose and about the holiness in our lives. We must stop being casual with what we're allowing into God's temple. Please write that down. We must stop being casual about our purpose and about what we allow into God's temple. You, I, that's why today you've got to get this revelation. It's who you are. This is who you already are, not who you'll be one day. And we must become zealous, passionate about what we allow and we don't allow into our lives. We're far too casual with what we allow to go on in us. I don't know that the temple of that day meant for it to get that far out of control that God would create a whip and start whipping things out of the temple and throwing tables over. It could have started with one choice or allowing one money changer or allowing one decision of compromise into the temple and it turned into something far more than what they maybe originally thought. Who knows how progressively we get much further away than we ever thought we would. But it starts by allowing compromises into that temple. And so today is about getting fired up again. Passionate. Sometimes we allow things to stay and we're like, yeah, I should take care of that. I should do something about that. That's probably not a good habit. I'm working on it. Today's about getting passionate about what's going on in that temple and that God is there to help you remove it and get it out and stop being casual about what you do. You don't belong to you anymore. You are the Lord's, the Lord's temple. And may you become aware of who you are and become passionate about what you allow in and what you allow to happen with your life. Let me list a few unholy activities that we allow into our temple that we may not even pay attention to anymore. It's so common. Addictions. Sexual sins. The occult. You say, well, I don't let the occult into my life. But what about horoscopes? What about Ouija boards? Astrology? Witchcraft? Come on, church. 
They're like, well, I just like to know what my signs are in the grocery store. Come on. You are God's holy temple. If you want to know about your life, go to God, not to some fortune tellers, tarot card readers, stars in the sky. Go to the one who made the stars in the sky. You're in a temple of the Spirit of God. You want to know the mind of God, the mind of Christ? Ask Him. Amen. We just play these little Ouija board games and stuff in college. It's just fun. The devil will make you think it's a game. It's not a game. It's a door. It's a door. Addiction, sexual sins, the occult, unforgiveness, lying, vanity. I just heard superstition. Great. That was great. Vanity. We're overconscious about how we look on the outside when we're full of dead man's bones on the inside. Come on, church. It's okay to want to look your best. Praise God for that. But may we also make sure that what we're putting in on the inside and the care and the spiritual food and nourishment and exercise we're putting on the inside is greater than what we're doing on this temporal body on the outside that's passing away. Amen. Lying, vanity, neglect of God. Here you are, God's temple, and we can neglect the Lord. We can neglect the Lord. We, we don't spend time talking to him. We don't spend time in his word. We don't go to him with questions. You are a temple of God. Neglecting God should not be a part of our routine. Come on, somebody. Neglect of our duties as a spouse. Neglecting our duties as parents. Grumbling, backbiting, jealousy, anger, rage, racism, hate, abuse of our spouse, physical, mental abuse of our spouse or our children, fraudulent dealings in business, stealing, neglect of the house of God. My friends, these things should not be. And I can almost see Jesus sitting there on the side looking at you, his temple, and seeing these different things coming into our lives. Like we said, alcoholism and abuse, the occult, drugs, you know, greed, making idols out of things in our lives, out of careers and goals and success. Who knows what kind of porn you're looking at on television or on the internet, drugs, like I said, all this stuff that we just allow in our life, bitterness, unforgiveness, vanity, all this stuff. And we're like, yeah, that stuff's, it's kind of a, you know, just kind of there. It's kind of a habit I'm working on. You know, I'll get around to it. I don't know if I agree that it should be there or not. Let me we think about it a bit. And Jesus, who died on the cross for us to make us into his temple, to make us into his spirit, he is sitting here with his heart saying, I made you for so much more than all this stuff. These things should not be in your house. And he's wanting you to get up, like intense and passionate and say, I'm ready to get this stuff out of my house. Are you hearing this? We have to play a part in this. We want him to be passionate about us, but we're not passionate about us. Until we're like, I am done. I am ready for deliverance. I am ready for freedom. I am ready for breakthrough. I don't want this stuff in my life. I don't have to have it in my life. I'm willing to ask for help. I'm willing to ask and get into a group or council or prayer. I'm willing to do something because I was made for so much more than this. It's not about God just being passionate for his house. He wants you to be because you see who you are. You see what you can be. And you see that you weren't made for these things. Amen. I want to make sure you understand that working on this stuff and getting it out of your house isn't what makes you loved by God. And you've already been made holy, which then gives you the power over this stuff. Because I don't want you to get into this like, see, I'm so dirty. You're not hearing me. You've actually been cleansed. And you're trying to put dirt on something that's already clean. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 through 11. And since we have become, Romans 5, 9 through 11, since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. That's the only way we've been made right in God's sight. It's only the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from condemnation. 
For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Do you see how all that's been done in Christ? It's all been done in Christ. You are his friend. You are right in his sight. You are all these things, which is why you have more power than that devil who tries to rob your life or any addiction or any bondage because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that he that is in you is in you now. Why? Because you are now the Holy Spirit or the Spirit temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you now. Amen. Hebrews 10.10, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all time. But we do have a responsibility to walk in holiness now that we've been made holy. Ephesians 4 is my final verse. Verse 17 through 24. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Oh, I'm sorry, first. 1 Peter 1.14, and then I'll go to Ephesians 4. 1 Peter 1.14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Okay, so even though you've been made holy, there is this warning in 1 Peter, don't go back and live like that. You don't have to. You don't have to. Ephesians chapter 4, with the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles. Okay? Don't go live like the Gentiles or don't live like the world. Don't live like darkness. That's not you. For they're hopelessly confused. <laughs> Amen? Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God that God gives them because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. It's not because that's God's will. It's because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for the lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And the Bible's telling the believer, don't go back and live like that old lifestyle. So though you've been made holy and righteous, there's still the warning that you don't need to go back there. Don't do it. That's not what you were made for. Verse 20, but this isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and you have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off that old sinful nature. Maybe go flip some tables over, huh? Throw off that old sinful nature, your old former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Remember, this is talking to Christians. You don't need to live like that. Now it's time for you to get involved, get passionate about what's going on in youth, you, this temple. And why don't you go throw off those old habits? Throw, that's all you need to do. Get involved and start throwing it out. Instead, let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and attitude. Put on your new nature to be created like God, truly righteous and holy. That's your new nature. Truly righteous and holy. Would you stand with me, please, as we bring the service to a close? Did you get anything out of that today? Just give God praise, would you? Give God praise for that. I'm going to call, have a first altar call, a little different than I normally do. I want to give you an opportunity to have some time with the Lord, to have some time of confession with the Lord and maybe start turning over some tables in your life. You say, these things shouldn't be here. They don't need to be here. God, I wanna get passionate about getting them out. It's not my spouse's job to get them out. It's not even the other people's job to get them out. You need to be able to get some passion in you and say, look, this isn't who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. I am light in the Lord. And I'm coming out of agreement and I'm saying I'm done with these things, whatever they may be. It could be anger, it could be unforgiveness, it could be something that you don't want anyone to know. No one's gonna know what it is, but you need to take that step to say I'm drawing a line in the sand and you come down here to these side altars somewhere and you say you're just getting with God and I'm just saying, God, take this from me. I'm ready. I'm ready to release these things. That's that first step to step into your freedom, to step into your freedom. So I'm gonna pray over you and I'm gonna open these altars. God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for this moment. We are the temple of the Spirit of God. You've made us holy, you've made us righteous. And God, the Bible's telling us, remember who you are, remember who you are. And it's also warning us to not go live like we once did or to live like the world or to be partnering with darkness. And God, I pray that there are those in this room right now that you've brought here today to draw a line in the sand 
and to start turning over some of these tables in their life to get excited and passionate about where you're taking them and their family. And today, the deliverer is in the house. Today, the deliverer is here to take that from them. You are the chain breaker. You are the prison door opener, God. And we thank you that as we partner with you and say, God, I'm ready that, Lord, you come and you meet us and you lead us out of captivity. And so, God, I pray for courage in everyone who might need to come. I pray that as they come, that, God, it's laid at this altar and then they leave set free. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Would you come if you need to spend some time with God? saying, God, I'm ready to lay this down. I'm ready for this to be out of my life. Just go spend some time with him on the sides. That's fine. Go ahead, church. We can celebrate them as they're coming. We want them to know, hey, we've been there. We've been there, but it's time to be done. It's time to stop playing games. you're up here at the front just take your time with Jesus tell him what it is that you want to be done with say Lord I want to be done with this whatever this is and then ask the Lord to wash you cleanse you forgive you say Lord forgive me I close the door to those things I close the door I come out of agreement with those things just a little bit of language to help you but God's hearing you whatever you're saying the Lord's hearing you But if you want a little bit of language, just be honest with him and tell him, I'm done with this. I lay it down here and I ask for the blood of Jesus to wash and cleanse me. And I come out of agreement with those things. I close those doors. I close those doors to those areas. God, I give it to you. You can ask for his help as well. Say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit afresh. Fill me with your Holy Spirit anew. Go with me today. Help me to do this. He's going to help you do it. Help me to live free, to live clean, to live out of bondage of this thing. This thing has no more control over my life. I receive your forgiveness too. Do not let guilt, condemnation rob you, beat you up. Receive that grace, receive that breakthrough, receive that goodness of God. Lord, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for mercy, and I thank you for a new beginning. I thank you for a new beginning. If we have some altar workers or pastors that may want to come or elders and pray for these that are up here, go ahead and do that. We'd appreciate it. For the rest of you in the house, and some of you may be at the altars, you can stay at the altars, but for the rest of you, I want to make sure you have opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages and penalty of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to make sure everyone has an opportunity to call on the Lord to save them. If you say, you know, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. You can do that today. 
Or you may say, you know, I used to have a relationship with God, but I've grown cold. I've walked away. Then you can call on him today to wash you and start over again. And so if everyone bow their heads and close their eyes just for the next 30 seconds, I want to give people an opportunity just between them and Jesus. And you say, that's me. I need to call on the Lord to become my Lord and Savior for the first time or to recommit my life to him anew. If that's you, when I count to three, just raise your hand right where you are and we'll all pray a prayer together. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up? You're ready to get right with God. Just put your hand up and we'll pray for you anywhere in this room today. Put it up so we can see it. I don't see any hands today, but I'm going to lead you through a prayer. There is a hand. Thank you. Cameraman, help me see a, prayer, see a hand. Thank you. Let's all pray together so that one hand, those watching on TV, or even those individuals who didn't raise their hands but need to do it and are ready, let's all pray this prayer together. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. And I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate the one or anyone else and all these that have come? God bless. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.